up your song, cause you've got a lion inside of those wrongs, get up and praise the Lord, oh come on my soul, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, cause you've got a lion inside of those bones, get up
Southview, how are we? All right, welcome to you all. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you, or Veterans Day weekend, I apologize. Uh, I, my, I, when I rolled my clock back, I rolled back too far, I apologize. Um, happy Veterans Day weekend to you all. Glad that you're here today worshiping with us. Uh, I want to start by reading some scripture to us. As we're in the month of November, we're focusing in on being thankful what that means, what that looks like in our prayer life. Psalm 50, verse 14. Well, first, before we get to that one, let me read a couple of verses ahead of it. So God is talking about their, their offerings, their sacrifices. Here's what he says, starting in verse 9. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Right. So basically he's saying, Look, you're, you're giving me these sacrifices as, as if I'm, I need them, and I don't, right? Everything that you're going to give me, I already have. But here's what he does ask of them. Verse 14. Instead, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. So think of it like this. God owns everything, right? This is what he's telling them. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. There's no bull you can give me that's not already mine. I made them. I created them. They belong to me. But there's one thing 
you can give to God, he does not already have. Your thanks. As you give your thanks to God, that is your sacrifice. You're giving to him your thankfulness. You're thankful for him. You're thankful for who he is. You're thankful for what he's done. Psalm 50 verse 14, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. He doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need your talents. He doesn't need what you can offer him. What he asks is this. Lay down for him today a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Be thankful to him. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me as we begin our time worshiping together. And I just want you to start thinking. And we'll, we'll circle back in a little while and, and, and tackle this idea again in prayer. But start now thinking. How do I give God a sacrifice of thanksgiving? How do I lay on the altar before him a sacrifice of thanks? It's the one thing he asked of you that he doesn't already possess. And that's you giving thanks to him. So Lord, I pray God here for us here this morning. That we will be a people of thanks. We'll be a people of thanksgiving. Thankfulness. And that we will see that we lay down our thankfulness, lay down our thanksgiving as a sacrifice to you. Laying it on the altar for you to take and consume for your glory. Thank you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's worship the Lord together. Good morning, church. Let's sing and celebrate these truths today. He is worthy. Come on. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart.
is sufficient. Amen, church. I want to read from Romans. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He goes on, he says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The point is, Christ is sufficient. Christ is our all in all. Christ makes up the gap. Christ is our high priest, not man. May the Lord Jesus Christ be praised today because through him we have overcome. Let's continue to celebrate.
about being thankful and the cross that Jesus bore so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and be made sons and daughters of God. I mean, what a, what a greater thing to be thankful for, right? How amazing. We think again about our verse that I led with earlier, Psalm 50 verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. I'm going to encourage you just to take just a moment here in prayer. Thank God. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. A thankful heart, the Bible is going to consistently teach, is, is the fertile ground from which God brings 
more thankfulness, right? And, and, and the, the more you're thankful, the more you realize you have to be thankful for, right? It, it, it opens up the floodgates of joy and peace and hope in our lives. So God, I pray for us right now, God, that you will allow us to see all that we have to be thankful for in you. Jesus, thank you for your cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you bore our sin and our shame. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray that we would see that being thankful isn't just this thing we do once a year and we try to focus on, but Lord, this is a sacrifice that we set before you. This is the thing that you tell us that you desire that we would give you. Our thanks. So I pray that you would stir that up in us right now at this moment, Lord. Let us be thankful. Take just a minute. Set your thanksgiving before God right now. It's a sacrifice to Him. pray for us that you would help us to not just be thankful for the easy things that we won't just grab the low-hanging fruit and be thankful for that stuff but God we're going to be thankful for the hard things because in that you have allowed us opportunities to trust you in deeper levels we thank you God for things in our life that would even bring pain because in that it it causes us to turn to you and to need you and to seek you and desire you. And that's a good thing. I pray we will be thankful for everything in our lives that forces us to run to you. We would lay that down as a sacrifice of thanks. Again, Lord, my prayer for us, you would empower us Lead us, teach us, convict us, grow us to be a thankful people. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Titus chapter 2 together, all right? Titus 2, we're going to be in verses 9 and 10 today. Titus 2, 9 and 10. So as we're going to the book of Titus, what we're seeing is this is an extraordinarily practical book. The whole point of the book of Titus is to teach us how we bear out good works, good deeds for the glory of God in everyday life. Right? No matter who you are and what stage of life you're in and what you're going to be going through, there's an opportunity for you to bear out good works for God's glory. And that's the point of Titus. Right, that we would see that and live every day manifesting good fruit for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. 
Uh, so today, we're going to see something very interesting in Titus chapter 2. Paul is going to turn his attention to a group of people, uh, uh, the servants, the house servants in, uh, the, on the island of Crete that are Christians and a part of this church. And what we're going to see today is the value and importance of work. Uh, again, Titus, the book of Titus is extraordinarily practical. How do you live out the Christian life in everyday circumstances and situations? And so if that's what the book of Titus is seeking to go after, then it would only make sense that he would seek to pursue your work life. The average American full-time worker works about 2,000 hours a year. 2,000 hours a year. Let me put that in perspective. Statistically speaking, that is twice as much time as you'll spend with your family this year. Statistically speaking, that is 40 times more hours than you'll spend in church. Work. You getting up tomorrow, going to your job. What I want you to see is that the Bible, God, ruthlessly and aggressively goes after every aspect of your life because every aspect of your life is to bring glory and honor to Him. And He wants you to see it as that. And pursue it as that. So, Titus chapter 2, let's look at verses 9 and 10 together, all right? Titus 2, 9 and 10. Verse 9. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God. All right. Before we dive in specifically to this, there is kind of an elephant in the room that I want us to tackle very quickly first. The idea of bond service, the idea of slavery in the Bible. So let's just chat about that just for a second. So when we think about slavery for us in the United States, our minds most specifically go to the sins of our country in the 18th and 19th century, and, and rightfully so. But in doing that, it kind of muddies the water a little bit for what's happening in the Bible because the, the Greek word here, doulos, is, is a little more complicated than that. Um, it can bring a lot of different things. One, it can indeed be speaking of individuals who were taken against their will and sold into some kind of slavery. And indeed, it can mean that. But it can mean more things besides that. It can mean someone who voluntarily has pledged themselves to someone. It can be someone who's uh, for a short time paying off a debt. It can be a prisoner. That's, that's how they're p finishing out their sentence. It can, be, it can include a lot. That idea of doulos is kind of a junk drawer term. There are a lot of things that are thrown in there. Um, soldiers were oftentimes slaves. Farmers were slaves. Doctors and teachers were oftentimes slaves. Um, this was, again, a really massive part of first century life. Uh, but I also want you to understand as we dive into this, the Bible is not, and this is a very common thing that you'll see online, TikTok loves it, um, this idea that the Bible condones or endorses slavery, therefore you should not be a Christian, that's just stupid um, for a couple of reasons. The Bible in no way, shape, or form endorses or condones what we would know as slavery here in the West in the 18th and 19th centuries. It just does not. In fact, I'll give you a verse to back that up. 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. We'll throw that up on the screen. You can jot it down if you like and look at it later. 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. He's talking about lost people who go to hell. All right, this is what he's talking about here. Verse 9. The law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, Liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. I got the ESV here. It uses the word enslaver. If you have the King James, it's going to say kidnappers. Uh, um, or King James is going to say men stealers. New King James says kidnappers. NIV just calls them slave traders. The idea is this. What we would think of and know as, as slavery, the Bible clearly and profoundly rebukes, calls it sin, it says those people went to hell, right? There's no way that you can in any way bring together biblical Christianity and what we would know as slavery. In fact, when I need a good quote, I always go to my boy Charles Spurgeon, so I'm going to read a Spurgeon quote. Here's what Spurgeon said. I do not think for a moment Paul believed that the practice of slavery ought to exist. He believed to the fullest extent that the greatest principles of Christianity would overthrow slavery anywhere they're proclaimed. And the sooner they did so, the better off we would all be. The Bible does not in any way condone this, endorse this, pursue this. No, that's not what's happening here. What is happening is this. This kind of servitude was a massive part of first century life. It's believed that about one-third of Romans... In the Roman population, were slaves. About 50 million people were slaves. This was a huge part of society, one-third conservatively. I've seen some estimates put it up to half. But conservatively, conservatively, a third of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves. And they were coming to faith in Christ in droves. I mean, massive numbers of slaves were coming to faith in Christ. And so what the Apostle Paul is seeking to do in the New Testament is help instruct these new brothers and sisters in Christ. And okay, this station of life that you're in right now, you can still love and serve Jesus like that. And this is a great point for all of us. Because this is a, a huge just life thing that we struggle with we always look to some future thing like when that's done when that's fixed when i'm past this when i'm over that then i'm really going to be able to serve god and one of the big ideas that this passage is trying to push is no 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 be faithful now god knows where you are god knows the situation you're in God knows how you wish you would be out of it, but you're not. So you're there. So honor and glorify and serve God there. That's the big idea. So go back to Titus 2, 9 and 10. Let's read that one more time again. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Notice the way servants do their work. The way the servants, the way the house servants, the slaves, the way they do their job shows off the glory of God. Right? There's no such thing as you being too small and too insignificant and too far down on the org chart to make a difference for the glory of God. Even the slaves did that. 
And he's specifically talking to them. The way that you work, the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you do your job brings glory and honor to God. And this is the big truth that we're wanting to see laid out for us here today. How you live your life at work makes a difference. So here's our big truth. You are called to be a missionary at your place of employment. Where you work, whatever it is that you do, right? If you're a chief surgeon or the chief of police or the chief janitor, you are called by God to see your place of of occupation, your place of work as a mission field. You are called by God there to bring him glory and to see the kingdom advanced. So how do we do that? What does that look like? What does that mean? All right, I'll give you a few things. First is this. There's got to be a change in thinking. This is first and foremost. Before we get to what we do, we got to change how we think. Again, this is the whole point of Titus. It's about gospel thinking leads to gospel living, right? So you got to think differently about your job. So first big idea that I have is this. We must see our workplace as a mission field. You must see where you work as your mission field. Look again at 9 and 10. Who's he talking to? The bondservants, the slaves. And they do what? Adorn, show off, showcase the truth and glory of God. You are called by God to a certain place. In fact, the word vocation comes from a Latin word um, which literally means a calling of God. This is one of the big things that the Reformation tried to do. They tried to, what happened was uh, there became this division between the clergy and the rest of the congregation. And the clergy were the special ones called by God. And the rest of the congregation, they just showed up and paid for stuff. And what the Reformation tried to do was to say, no, 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 no. Everyone is called by God. In fact, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, even the milkmaid... Even the milkmaid milking the cow is called by God for the glory of God. And as, as someone who is indwelt with God, literally God himself is milking the cow. Everything that you do, everywhere that you are, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to go to a job. Whatever that is, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a teacher, or you're a student, or you're in the army, or you're on your own business, or you're a doctor, or a nurse, or a lawyer, or a truck driver. Whatever you do, you are going out on a mission from God, called by God to proclaim the glories of God for the advancement of God's kingdom. This is who you are. This is what you do nothing is wasted nothing is wasted everything we're called to be everything you do in life we got to think differently we got to change our focus when we think about work oftentimes again we've we've changed the way the reformers were trying to get us to view work now most of us mean we're going to get up tomorrow morning and the whole point of going to work is just to get a paycheck and pray the weekend gets here fast and long for retirement. 
right? It just becomes this thing that we do. It's a, it's a means to an end, right? It's just, that, it's just that job. It's just that thing. It's just that what, whatever you're doing to try to get money, man, just to live life, just to get by. And what the Bible is trying to say is that is an unbiblical, ungospel way of viewing your calling in life. You are called by God. Every one of us have a calling. Some of us in this room are indeed going to be called to some kind of full-time occupational church work. Okay, that's a thing that's going to happen, and that's important, that's good, and I believe there are people in this room, again, they are going to be called to that. But what I want you to understand is no matter who you are, and no matter what you're waking up tomorrow to do, you are under a calling of God. That is a calling of God on your life. Just as much as me walking in the office tomorrow morning and getting ready for next week's sermon. You get up tomorrow morning and you go into the office. You are called by God to work in that place for the glory of God. Advancing the kingdom of God. The mission of God. This is who you are. This is your calling. How differently would our community, our city, our county be if every Christian in this county genuinely believed when they walked into the office tomorrow, they were walking in as missionaries called by God. How different would work be? How different would it be if just us in this room did that? We walked into the office tomorrow believing we're called by God to advance the kingdom of God. It's a mindset shift. I want to encourage you in this. Think differently about your work. The bondservant, if the slave is called by God to glorify him and adorn and, and dress himself and show off the glories of God, how much more are you? How much more are you? So then how do we do that? All right, so that's the mindset shift. We've got to think differently. But then what should we do? How do we do it differently? Here's a few things we need to do. So as we look at this text again. So as we think differently, we need to act differently. First thing is, we must walk in humility. Look at what the bond servants are told to do. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. The word submissive, it's actually a military term. It's describing a soldier standing at attention as their commanding officer is coming to give orders with the understanding that whatever order that commanding officer gives, you're going to then obey it. All right? And so... Submit to your masters in everything. Now, on the surface, you would look at that and go, well, nah, duh. He's talking to servants. He's talking to slaves. Of course they're going to do what the master says to do. But you get down into the details, and it gets a lot more interesting. That word submiss- submit is in the passive tense. Here's what that means. You're not being forced to submit. You're willingly and voluntarily doing it. It's getting to the heart, not the hands. Again, the whole point of Christianity is the heart and not the hands. It's not just you doing the job. It's not just doing what you're told to do or asked to do or or is in your job description. But you willingly, voluntarily do it. Not only that, but when it says master there, it is the Greek word despotos. It's where we're going to get our English word despot. What's a despot? A despot is a tyrannical dictator who usually oversees their their country their kingdom their people in a way that's unkind unfair and unjust 
And literally, what's happening here, the Apostle Paul is telling these servants, telling these slaves, listen, even if your master is a mean, tyrannical, horrible person, you willfully submit yourself to them. What he's telling you and I is this. When you go into work tomorrow, it does not matter that your boss is kind. It does not matter that your boss is respectful. It doesn't matter that you love your job. It doesn't matter that your company is awesome. It does not matter that they completely appreciate and respect you. Even if your employer is a tyrannical despot, even if they are not fair, they are not kind, and they're just a flat jerk, you willingly and humbly submit yourself to them. So here's the question. Who in the world would do that? Who would do that? Right? That sounds stupid. Who, who goes to work like that? And that's the point. No one does, unless they've been changed by Jesus Christ, and they literally genuinely believe they work for a different boss more than that guy. I work for Jesus, not you. That's why I'm going to treat you a certain way. The whole point is, you as a Christian employee are to be a candle in the darkness. You are to be different. You are to think different. You are to work differently. When everyone says, isn't that guy a jerk? Your response is, I'm just going to pray for him. What? You're supposed to be different. It's supposed to not make sense to them. If you respond the way they are responding, you're doing it wrong. The point is, as a follower of Christ, just like Jesus humbled himself, I possess the mind of Christ, so I now humble myself. Even if they don't deserve it, even if they're rude, even if they're mean, it's not what I do. I respond humbly. Next, we must work hard. Look at that. It says, servants are to be well-pleasing. Well-pleasing literally just means acceptable. Um, and, and the word well-pleasing, usually in the New Testament, is directed towards us being well-pleasing to God. Which, again, is the point. The point is you work in such a way to where you're seeking to please God. Christian employees have no excuse for laziness, Cutting corners, lacking initiative, being careless. You have no reason for that. If that stuff wouldn't please your earthly boss, my goodness, it surely doesn't please your heavenly one. Right? He, he's surely not looking in approval. And again, this is the point. We work for a greater authority. Therefore, we work hard. We see a greater truth. 
And again, in whatever we do, we see that this is an opportunity. If I work hard here, this is an opportunity. This is why I love Titus. This is why I love Christianity. It is profoundly practical. This is what the Apostle Paul and the Reformation, and by God's grace, us, we're trying to wrestle away from this world and the Christian faith. We have separated what you do in here with what you do out there at work tomorrow. And he's trying to tell you that should not be. When you get up tomorrow and you go to work and you work your tail off, you go the extra mile, you do the extra thing, you step in when no one else wants to. Why would you do that? Because you're a new creation in Christ and you work for a greater authority than that guy. You're doing it for Jesus. And everything that you do, every job that you have, gets to mean something now. It gets to be important. It gets to be significant in the kingdom. Again, in the Reformation, Martin Luther, the great reformer, had a a young Christian, brand new in the faith, come walk up to him one day and says, Dr. Luther, I'm a new Christian now. How do I serve God? And Luther says, well, what's your current occupation? Young man said, I make shoes. Luther said, well, here's what you do. You make really good shoes, and you sell them at a fair price, and that's how you're going to serve God. And he walked away. Not quit your job and go to seminary. Not, not, not just pay for me to be able to write books. You go do your job as hard as you can for the glory of God. That's how you're going to serve him. That's how you're going to serve him. And, and when we see it like this, that means everything we do has a greater meaning. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're cooking a meal, you get to cook that meal as if Jesus himself is going to eat it. Right? If you work in a store, you take care of customers, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a bookkeeper, whatever it is, you're a teacher, as you educate children, you get to do that as if you're doing it to Jesus himself. This is what the Apostle Paul said again in the book of Colossians. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God as if you're doing it unto God. When you work hard like that, it brings glory to him. See how unbelievably God cares about every aspect of your life, including you going to work tomorrow. And you doing that gets to bring God glory if you do it like that. Work hard. Not just because you want a paycheck. Not just because you love what you do. Because you've been changed by Jesus Christ and now you do that for his glory. Now you do that for his honor. Now you do that to make much of him. Next, if you keep on going, it says that these servants, these bond servants, bond slaves are not to be argumentative. In other words, we must be peaceable. All right, so, so now we're going to get down to an even deeper level. The word peaceable means to speak against, to contradict, to oppose, literally to talk back. It means don't mouth off. It is not enough that you do what they ask. It is not enough that you do it well. It matters also the manner in which you do it. Your attitude. Not argumentative. Not rolling your eyes. Not talking behind their back. Not, not mumbling under your breath. 
okay, I'm going to do it, fine. But I'm not happy about it. The Bible even goes after that. God just doesn't stop. He comes after even that. In Ephesians chapter 6, when it's talking to children, it says that children are to obey and honor their parents. And we, the, reason, the, the way that Marie and I teach that to our kids, when it says obey and honor your parents, is you need to do what we tell you to do and do it with a good attitude. Right? Do what we say and do it with a good attitude. Honor and obey what we say and with a good attitude. Now, the reason the Bible tells us to teach children to do that is for their own soul and their own sake. And yes, but then also they're going to become adults with other jobs and other people in authority over them. And we have to teach them at a young age to do what you're asked with a good attitude. Why? Because that brings glory to God. It all comes back to this. It actually matters how you do your job, the attitude in which you do it with. This means something. This matters. Are you humble? Are you a hard worker? Are you peaceable? Next, we must be honest. It says that they should not be pilfering, but showing all good faith. The word pilfering there literally means to kind of set apart for yourself stealing, embezzling is what it's talking about here. Um, in fact, the, uh, the word thief and the word slave oftentimes were synonymous. They would interchange them because there was so much theft that happened by them. It, and it also says that they should be, instead of doing that, showing all good faith. Literally faithful in all good things. You don't take what's not yours, but you're honest and upfront and good and faithful in what has been given to you. That makes sense? So why does this matter to us? It matters to us because according to the U.S. Department of Commerce, employee dishonesty costs American businesses over $50 billion a year. And, and, and this stat really did shock me. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says that one out of every three business failures are the direct result of employee theft. That shocked me. One third of every business that goes under in some way shape or form goes under because the employees took what wasn't theirs and the business just couldn't stay open a third this is actually a big deal it actually shifts our economy it actually changes things and what it's saying here for us as christians is be honest be honest and the little things, right? Personal use of office equipment and false expense reports and theft of company resources. These are all little things that can be done to take. And it happens so much. It's so prevalent. It's such the air that we breathe in our workforce in America. That's why he's saying you can be different by not doing that. If someone looks at you and says, well, you can just take that. You say, no, I can't. Actually, that's not mine. Well, just put that number instead of that number, right? It's not a big deal. 
no, actually, I, I can't do that because it's not mine. Right? You're going to drive through that McDonald's. We'll just throw in another burger for your friend. Well, actually, I can't because that's not mine. Right? It's just practical things of you showing yourself different than everyone else. Right? Seeing your workplace as your mission field and working humbly and hard and respectfully and honestly what does that ultimately result in? The last part there in verse 10. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. The word adorn means to take precious jewels and arrange them to show off their true beauty. Right? It's, it, it, the idea is, is, is sort of like um, uh, uh, someone looking in the mirror, making sure everything looks good before they walk out the door. Right? Dressing yourself, adorning yourself in such a way that when you walk out, you look the best. And that's the way it's describing this. This is amazing. The way these servants work at their jobs shows off the beauty and glory of God. What Paul is telling Titus here is, Titus, look, the island of Crete is not going to be reached because you preach the world's greatest sermon. Crete is going to be reached because the people in your congregation, specifically the lowest among them, get up tomorrow morning and they go to work and they live different than everyone else. They just work different. They work harder. And they're peacemakers. And they're humble. And they're gracious. And they bring joy to the office. And as you do that, opportunities will come up for you to proclaim the glories of God. And push toward the kingdom of God. And the same is true for us. What God is telling us today is this. Listen, Cumberland County, Hope Mills, Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, all of the area. That is not going to be reached because I preached a good sermon. They will be reached. This community will be shaped and changed by you getting up tomorrow morning, going in to your job, and working there for the glory of God. Seeing it as your mission field and an opportunity for you to proclaim how great and amazing God is. So, so let's make it really simple. All right, how do we live as missionaries at work? I'm going to give you three things. All right, how do we live as missionaries at work? One, do your job well. Right, the Bible is nothing; it was not practical. Do your job well. Show up. Work hard. Go the extra mile. Be a good teammate smile. How about this one? Don't be drama. And don't associate with the people that are drama. Right? Be someone that others want to work with. See what you do as an opportunity to bring glory to God. You're going to wake up tomorrow, and, and, and in this room, boy, it just runs the gamut of all the different 
occupations that we're going to fall into tomorrow. Every single one of them, every single one of them represented in this room can be done as a supernatural act proclaiming the glories of God. You can have that. I want you to be encouraged in that today. Nothing you do is mundane. Nothing you do is pointless. Nothing you do is just this menial task over here, but those people over there are really doing something special. No! Everything you do gets to be for the glory of God, and everything that you do gets to showcase how beautiful the salvation of God is. Brother Lawrence was a monk, um, and uh, he wrote a wonderful little book called Practicing the Presence. Um, it's one of those books that I think should be required reading for all Christians. Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence. And, and in the monastery, he was a cook, right? Very menial task. He was just a cook. But Lawrence did not see his life as something that was menial. Lawrence said, I do not need to do great things for God because I flip the omelet in my pan for the glory of God. He got it. Everything I do is for God's glory. I don't need to be head of the monastery. I don't need people to think that I'm amazing. I don't need to preach to thousands. I flip my omelet in my pan for the glory of God. Do your job well. Second, do your job for the glory of God. See it as more than just you working a job to get money, to pay bills. See it as a God given mission it's a god-given mission is it the one that you thought you were going to have probably not one of the dumbest things we do is tell 18 year old kids to declare a major right i mean probably five percent of you in this room are using your major now you don't do that you did not end up where you thought you were going to end up but wherever you are today and whatever it is that you're doing that's your mission field that is your calling from God. Do it for his glory. And then third, see your job as a mission field. See it as a mission field. You are called there to proclaim the glories of God and make disciples. Now, I know in this, immediately, in all of your little heads, I'm getting mental pushback. I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but you don't understand. In my job, I'm not allowed to talk about my faith. So I, I don't really think this applies to me. Quick question. Do you think the slave had freedom to talk about their faith? If we're going to play the game of who has the least freedom at work, I think the slave wins. Right? Do you think he could walk up to his master and say, hey, you know, that uh, pagan religion that you have that's actually demonic and if you don't repent you're going to go to hell how well do you think that works not great but the whole point of titus 2 9 and 10 is paul telling even these servants you may not be able to say all that you want to say you may not be able to speak into everything you want to speak into. There may be situations where you would genuinely desire to say something that for whatever reason you honestly can't. That might happen. 
But that does not mean that you can't see your occupation as a mission field. And as you work hard for the glory of God so that the kingdom can be advanced and you're praying fervently over your workplace and your, and your fellow employees, and as you're doing that, opportunities will arise. They will happen if your mind, your heart, your desire is to see it as a place to bring glory and honor to God as your calling to advance the kingdom of God. So I'm going to ask our band to come up, and, and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. Um, I want to give you a chance to set before God here today your line of work, right, whatever that is. Again, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a teacher, if you're a soldier, if you drive a truck, if you're a mechanic, if you're an accountant, right, fill in the blank. Anything. Today, would you allow God to shift in your heart and understanding of your work. And you'll start to see it differently. That's step one. Just begin to see your work differently. If even the slaves can do this, my goodness, we can. So I want to encourage you here before we stand and worship together. I want you to think through a prayer before God. Just right now where you are, just say, God, I, I know that I've been called by you to work at blank. I commit my work there as an act of worship to you. Empower me to be a light in the darkness as I work for you with dedication and integrity and joy. I pray that I will be a blessing to my employer, my co-workers, and anyone that I interact with. Let them see the beauty of salvation as they watch me work for your glory. Before we start to sing, take just a minute and, and set that before God. God, help me proclaim your glory as people see me work. God, we, we long for heaven. But 
Lord, between now and then, you have ordained work. And it is a gift. It's a good thing. It's not bad. It's not sinful. It's a good thing. You created work before sin ever came into the world. Work's a good thing. I pray, God, that we would redeem it and do it for your glory so that people can see how amazing you are. Empower us, God, to work in a way that blesses others, glorifies you, and advances your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. And our band is going to lead us. And you can, you can sing along. If you'd like to come forward and pray, you can. If you want to come forward and ask just sort of an act of commitment and dedication to the Lord in your work, do that. But let's take some time and let's worship God and thank God and set our hearts to the fact that God has called us to glorify Him in every aspect of life. And that includes how we work. Let's sing. Let's worship the Lord together. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him all eternity. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with
Amen. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. You are holy. You are holy. We just stand in your presence. We thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In your name. Amen. Hey, have a seat, if you will. As we are wrapping up our time here today, worshiping together. If you're a guest with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today worshiping with us. We'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen. 910-424-1298. But for everyone here, we've got three big announcements of what's going on. Ways that you can get connected with us here at Southview. One is this. Our Ladies of Grace, it's our ladies ministry their annual Christmas brunch that is going to be on December 10th uh, at 10 a.m. Cost for those tickets is $15. Uh, You can go on either side of the sanctuary. There are tables out there, and those tickets will start to be on sale. You can buy those there, so ladies, do not forget that. Uh, December 10th, be sure to buy your ticket. Second is this. We are, whether you like it or not, creeping up on Christmas. Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. We just want to encourage you to start now praying through that. Lottie Moon Christmas Offering is the Southern Baptist Convention International Missions Offering. Every dime that you give for Lottie Moon goes out of here, goes straight to the International Mission Board to help missionaries get on the field. Start now praying about what that gift could be for you, um, how we can give for the glory of God. We can't go everywhere, but we can pray and we can give so that others can go. So be in prayer about that, about how you can give for the Lottie Moon offering in the next few weeks. And then last and final is this. Today, 4 o'clock, we're going to have our yearly business meeting that's going to be in the FLC. Today, 4 o'clock, look forward to seeing you there. For anything else, all our other announcements, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play. Um, You can give online through the app. Or give in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. Uh, But you can find all kinds of things on that app. Small groups, announcements, previous messages, all of that's right there. So we encourage you to download the app and use that to stay connected and communicating. All right. I love you guys. Let me pray for us and let us go. Lord God, I just thank you. Thank you, God, that you are holy and beautiful and amazing and glorious. And you have set it up so graciously that every one of us can wake up tomorrow morning and go to our jobs and work in those jobs in such a way that proclaims that glory, that beauty, that majesty. Pray, God, that we would do that. Pray, God, that we would see our lives as that. Our hearts, our minds will be shifted and changed to see what we do as a calling, as a mission an opportunity to see your kingdom advance. Thank you, God. Do this in us for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. Surrendered in